Hey there, welcome to New River Church's podcast. We're so glad you joined us today. Have you ever had feelings that you didn't know how to express to God or to someone else? We've got good news. There's a whole book of the Bible that gives language to the deepest, rawest feelings that we have, and it's the book of Psalms. The rest of the Bible is God's words to you. The Psalms are your words to God. We pray that this message blesses you today. And if you're looking for more information about New River Church, just check us out at newriverchurch.org. So we're going to jump right into uh, our new series uh, called When Words Fall Short. And so Psalm 1, we're going to get into God's word this morning. We're going to start with the first psalm of the Psalter, or Psalm 1. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous." but the way of the wicked will perish. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, now as we open our hearts, as we open your word, do what you do, which is to take the living word and breathe it into our heart, into our blood, through our hands, and into our life, and into the world around us. So do that this morning. Your word says, open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. So Lord, we believe that. We're going to open our hearts wide, And uh, we ask that you would fill us and speak to us this morning as we uh, start this new series, Lord. We praise you uh, because you, the living word, is with us as we open your word. So speak, Lord, we're listening, and bring us to your son, Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, if you search hashtag blessed, you ever done that, on social media, you're going to find millions of posts The hashtag highlights pictures of beautiful places, uh, toned bodies, new babies, fancy cars, successes, abundance. All these things are good, right? Gifts from God. But then you start to wonder, says Christine Gordon in her blog, is the blessed life only one of abundance, miracles, power, popularity, and success? Imagine instead, she says, opening your social media feed and reading a story about a woman who's just lost her job. In her post, she wonders how she's going to cover her next mortgage payment, how she'll, how she'll get school supplies for her children, and how she'll pay for her, the repair her car desperately needs. What should her hashtag be? Hashtag not blessed? What if we let God's word tell us, teach us, what hashtag blessed life should, is like. And so that's what, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, we're going to start a new series. Like I said, when words fall short, um, the, our heart behind it with Pastor Doug and I is uh, we, we have, all have feelings that we don't know how to express, 
The Psalms is a mirror. It's a mirror to all of our conflicted emotions, the grief, the anger, the sorrows, the fears, the doubts, as well as all the joys and delights that we all face. So uh, Pastor Doyle likes to say, whether you're struggling with murderous thoughts or incredible joy or deep injustice, there's a psalm for that. <laughs> there's a psalm for that. There's a psalm for all of those things. See, the rest of the scriptures speak to us, but the psalms speak for us. And to be clear, we're not just learning, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn how to pray better. We want to meet the God of the Psalms, amen? That's what we want to do. We want to know him better. Right? Um, the late great pastor, author, Eugene Peterson, uh, he wrote the message translation, if, uh, if you're not familiar. Uh, he says this, again, we're just introing this whole series. He says this, the Psalms were not prayed by people trying to under, understand themselves, or, and searching for the meaning of life, they were prayed by people who understood that God had everything to do with them. God, not their feelings, was the center, right? Feelings and meanings were not excluded. They're very much in evidence, but the psalmists are not interested in human potential. They're passionate about God. The obedience-shaping, will-transforming, sin-revoking, praise-releasing God. And the Psalms come from people who hear God speak to them and realize it's the most important word they will ever hear spoken. And they decide to respond. There are 150 Psalms, and they are songs, just like the Song of Songs that we just went through. Uh, you can call it Jesus' playlist. Right? He, he used the Psalms. Um, that was his hymn book. And within the Psalms, there are different types of Psalms, just like there are different genres of music. So some of the Psalms are called wisdom Psalms. So wisdom Psalms uh, teach us how to live. So for our purposes, we're going to call that, and that's actually this whole month, we're going to look at wisdom Psalms, and we're going to call them live Psalms, how to live. And then other Psalms teach us how to trust God when it, life doesn't make sense. We're going to call those lean Psalms. We're going to it's going to teach us how to lean on God. And then you got another bunch of psalms that give us words to our sorrow and our pain. And we're going to call those lament psalms. So one month in live, another month in uh, lean, the third month in lament. And then there are psalms that teach us how to praise God when life is good or bad. And we're going to call those lift psalms. All right? So you see it? So live, lean, lament. And we're going to end with lift as we get to Thanksgiving. Lord willing. So, live this month so that we're going to kick it off with the first psalm, Psalm 1. Psalm 1 is going to tell us there are two ways we could live. There are two ways to live. Both ways people are pursuing hashtag blessed life. It is what this country is all about, right? The blessed life, the good life. This, this country is all about life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Pursuit of happiness. There are two ways to live. Run after the good life or the blessed life, but, and both are trying to do that. One's going to end in ruin. The other's going to end in stability, peace, flourishing, blessedness. And so uh, right from the beginning, if you look at Psalm 1.1, it starts with blessed is the man. The blessed person is the one who's experiencing God's favor and his abundance. And his life looks a certain way. Blessed, actually, you could translate it as happy. But that can be misleading. Because when you think of happy, you think of, um, 
feelings and what's happening around our life. So I'm going to use the word wholeness, stability, rest is, a, is a bit, probably a better idea. Uh, but right away, this tells you something, right? It doesn't say, blessed is the man who runs after blessedness, right? It says, blessed comes with a condition. Blessedness follows a kind of person. The Psalms are introducing us to the kind of person who is blessed. This is the one who has the qualities of a life that leads to blessedness. So blessedness is a byproduct of seeking something else. So if you're running after happiness and you're running after the, the pursuit of happiness, you're going to be miserable. The word would tell you, you need to pursue something else and the blessedness is going to follow you. Does that make sense? Right? So it's pursuing a way of living. Notice it starts with the way, uh, nor stands in the way, that word way, and it ends in Psalms uh, 1.6, the way of the righteous, the way of the wicked. That word way, it's about your life, your, your life's direction. It's a lifestyle. It's all of life. And that's why Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 opens up the rest of the Psalter. It's your whole life that God's, God's concerned about. He wants your life to be blessed, right? We, we all want that, but it actually is a byproduct, not the, whole, not the goal. Uh, two paths. Two paths before you, fork on the road. Which way, which way will you go? So this blessedness is contingent on that discernment, okay? So let's talk first. There's one path you can go, and that's a life without God. Look at verses 1 and verses 4 to 6. The life without God. The psalmist says blessedness can be found in something negative. There's joy in saying no. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Notice he doesn't say, don't be wicked, don't sin, and don't scoff. He's drawing attention to the wicked, the sinner, the, soft, the scoffer. In other words, for lack of a better word, the influencers of your life. He's talking about unbelievers, but this is a warning for believers too. There is a way of living where we can be shaped by or formed by what we give our attention to. And it is a slow downward progression. Notice the movement here. He's walking, then he's standing, and then he's sitting. It's a slow progression in stages from walking, which means you're exposed to a way of thinking, counsel, advice, to standing, which means you're strongly considering it. It's, it's, it's kind of taking over your mind and your heart, and then you're trapped, you're sitting which means it's, it, it's, it's now you're comfortable. It's a, way, it's a way of life. Sitting means you're settled down. You're, you're content with the world and its patterns, and it's entrenched in your life. Uh, sitting at the seat of scoffers means sitting with people who are just wagging their heads at God. So the movement is from activity to identity. And it ends in judgment. Right. In choosing this way to find blessedness, these people end up with a curse at the end. It says, they're not even going to stand. They're not even going to sit. It'll be 
perishing. At the end, the way of the wicked will perish. This is the way of the world, going from bad to worse. It started with what we believed, walking, to what we, to our, how we behave, to where we belong. So the question is, what absorbs your interest, right? On a Thursday morning, what's, what's consuming you? What, do you, what gives your, your, uh, your heart to, your attention to? Because what we give our attention to will shape our affection, and then it will fuel our adoration, Attention, affection, adoration. It, it always starts that way. What you give your attention to, then it starts to stir your affection, and then it, you end up falling down in worship to it. We're all worshiping something. You become what you behold. Whatever you're looking at, whatever you're, you start looking at what the world produces, and you start wanting it, and it becomes your delight, and then your identity. Now, how did that happen? Slowly, right? Slowly. You don't drift into intimacy with the Lord. But you can drift into isolation from Him. And that's how it happens. Right? And you're not just neutral, like nothing's affecting me. There's always something your heart will go after. It's a slow drift towards spiritual erosion. What takes up your attention every day? Hey, have you ever monitored what you give your attention to? Right, just a few minutes the other day, I made reservations on Yelp, responded to a text from my mom, sent an email for church, just then a movie trailer popped up, followed by a friend's road trip just posted right next to a recommended podcast. All this while I had a worship, play, worship song playing in the background, which became white noise, because I also saw, started watching a a video of a honey badger chew up a snake after it got bit and was paralyzed. And I didn't even tell you. I didn't even tell you about the air quality alert or the uh, suspicious activity notification in my neighborhood in Illinois or the ne on the Nextdoor app. And my watch telling me that I didn't exercise this week. Smartphones, social media have, have great benefits, and I'm not, here, I'm not the guy that's going to be here bashing about it, but I have to wonder, okay, I have to wonder if all of this extreme multitasking, hyper-connected, over-awareness, this novelty-obsessed distraction all day long is the life that God has for us. Every open space, we just fill it with whatever new thing to scroll through, whether we're at the line at the grocery store, waiting at a stoplight, or sitting on the toilet. Do you know the Facebook co-founder, Sean Parker, admitted in 2017 that the thought process behind Facebook was, listen to what he says, how do we consume as much of your time and conscious attention, see the word attention, as possible. And that means we need to give you a little dopamine hit every once in a while because someone liked or commented on your photo or post or whatever. Facebook has figured out discipleship. Did you, did you hear that? They knew, right? If we can grab atten your attention, it's going to fuel your affection because your heart 
And once that happens, your heart is led away to adoration. And, you know, the great theologian, the boss, Bruce Springsteen, uh, he says everybody's got a hungry heart. <laughs> there it is. That's good theology. He, it's the hungry heart. And if we keep going that way, the, the, God's word will tell you this. Uh, the godly are like a tree. We'll talk about that in a second. But he says the unbeliever, verse 4, the wicked are not so, but they're like chaff that the wind drives away. Now what's chaff? In those days, they would throw seed up in the air so that the wind would carry away the useless part as the seed falls to the ground. The wicked are described as chaff, lightweights, a person without real substance and worth. They're dead, fluffy, rootless, blown about, wind controlled, destined for the fire. Chaff is worth nothing. Trees have life, chaff is dead. Trees are valuable, chaff is blown away. As trees are stable, chaff is blown away. It's a hollow life, a hollow life. Instead of wholeness, we become shallow, fragmented, disoriented, pulled in many directions. And as a result, we're easily swayed by circumstances because we got no depth, we got no roots, we're easily moved. So are you living a shallow, chaff-like life? Skimming everything, picking and choosing on impulse, having no thought-out reasons for what you're doing, following your whims, we're going to end up with no depth. And no wonder a lot of us are always easily swayed by whatever comes uh, our way. I don't want to live like that. <laughs> Is that how you're living? Well, what's the solution? God's got a better way, thank God. So let's look at the truly blessed life. Right? Enough of the bad news. Good news. What's the, tr what's the life that God has for us? Look at verses 2 and 3. All right. I don't want that chaffy life. All right. I, I, want, I want the blessed life. God's idea of blessed. What is it? Look at verse 2. But, the contrast, but he's giving us an, an alternative way of living all right, to find the good life. But his delight. You see that? Delight. It's so... It's an affection, right? It's our love. It's an inward reality because you can't always see roots. We're going to talk about the tree in a second. The focus isn't on the behavior because God knows it's not the behavior that's going to change a person. It's the heart. You're his delight. He's after our affection, delight. That's fueled by, its delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates, there's the attention, day and night. All right, we'll come back to that in a second, too. Look at verse 3. Look at the, let's look at this image of a tree. He is like a tree. He uses the image of a tree near a stream to tell us what a blessed person is like. Peterson says this. He says, we come to the prayer book of the Bible to get training in prayer, and the first directive is, go find yourself a tree, sit down in front of it, Look at it long and thoughtfully. God begins with our senses, where we're at. So he uses this botany image, and he says, come here. I want your roots to go down deep. Now, let's take this word by word. He's, a tree, he's like a tree planted. It literally says transplanted. This is not a wild tree. It's carefully brought and planted. Chaff's blown away. Tree is planted. Secondly, look, it's by streams of water. 
It's supplied. It's supplied with everything needed for nourishment. It doesn't have the needs, all of its needs within itself. It needs an outside source of supply. And its job is abide there. Thirdly, yield its fruit. It's fruitful. Fruit comes from drawing on the water. Now, what's interesting is the tree is not a pipe. A pipe would draw the water in one end, and what would come out the other end? Water. The tree draws in water in one end, and what comes out the other end? Fruit. And trees never strain to bear fruit. Right? It's not like, oh, no, I got apples today. All right. it's, uh, it, it, it doesn't produce fruit like a machine. We shouldn't say produce fruit. It bears fruit because it's alive. And that fruit is the result of where it's abiding. However, it says, he yields its fruit in its season. That means it's deep growth that takes time and process. It's a tree, after all. Right? And you guys, some of you could probably know better than this, but if you want squash, you can probably grow in about six months. I don't know. But if you want a strong oak tree, it's going to take time. Right? And trees don't always have fruit in its season. Right? All trees go through winter time. All trees are going through times of no fruit, barrenness. It means seasonal, cyclical fruitlessness can be expected. This is a very realistic psalm. Very realistic. But the tree's not dead. It doesn't die. The, the tree doesn't stop growing. In winter, it looks like it. But the tree's just putting down its roots deeper and getting thicker. The fruit comes back a lot of times bigger. In that sense, it's always prospering. That's why he's always prospering. It, it's, in all that he does, he prospers. That doesn't mean that he's going to be successful all the time. What it's saying is that even in the winter... It's prospering because its roots are going down deeper. Right? So it's always enduring. It's flourishing. Right? And you can gr- it's growing even during those times. So not that you're not going to face winter, but that you won't wither and die because it's winter. Right? You're a person of substance rather than hollowness. And you become a person of stability rather than being blown around by circumstances. You can become that kind of person even during barren times. Man, don't you want that? Isn't that so much better than just running around, like blowing around like chaff, trying to find all of that in something else? Now, well, how do, well, okay, how do I get that? How do we become that? Well, verse 2 is the secret here. Delight, in, fueled by meditation. Meditate literally means to mumble, your, mumble to yourself over and over. Now, it's not saying walk around and and just mumble to yourself. I, I had a carpet salesman do that the other day. Right. I don't know what he was talking about, but, but he was doing that. But uh, no, that's not what he's saying. He's saying it's, it's, it's more like, and this is appropriate now that I live in Ellington. Uh, it's more like a cow chewing the cud. Right. A, a cow wakes up in the morning. This is going to be all my illustrations from now on. It's going to be more like a cow chew, uh, that wakes up in the morning, eats some grass, lays down for a nap. After his nap, he regurgitates the grass he ate. Right, sorry, for lunch later. But chews on it a little, extracts its nutrients, and then he takes another nap and continues this process until all the nutrients are gone. Right. 
So read your Bible and pray like a cow. That's the application. <laughs> what did you learn today? The pastor from Ellington said, uh, yeah, pray like a cow. <laughs> um, Isaiah uses the same word, meditate, uh, in Isaiah 31.4 to talk about the sound of a lion uh, that the lion makes over its prey. It, they purr and gr- growl in pleasurable anticipation in taking in what will make them strong and swift. So this is not Eastern meditation. All right, let's be clear. Where you sit with your legs crossed and you, you just empty your mind. Biblical meditation is to fill your mind. Notice it doesn't say Bible study. It doesn't even say Bible reading. It doesn't even say prayer. It says meditation. So, see, if you just read the Bible and you're like, I'm just reading the Bible, which is good, you should read the Bible. But that's not meditation. That's like... Even if you, if you wrote something, oh, that's a great verse. I'm going to write that down. That's still not meditation. That's, that's like the tree saying, huh, water, high water. There's water. There's water over there. That's not meditation, right? Or, or if your idea of meditation is I'm going to listen to a preacher on Sunday or on, on, on YouTube or podcast, that's not meditation. That's like saying, hi, water, and then you splash some on your face. It's refreshing, Right? But it's not the same as drinking deeply. It's not meditation. So, so what, what is that? What is meditation? The word law here, it's the word uh, Torah. It's, it refers to God's word. The verb form of Torah is yara, which means to throw something like a javelin so that it hits the mark. The word that hits the mark is Torah. God's word is living. It wants to aim intentionally personally, penetratingly into our heart. It's not a reference book you pull off the shelf and get information. It's meant to hit us where we live. Now, how do you do that? All right, I'm going to close with a couple applications here. But in order for God to fill us, you can't can't fill a full cup. You can't fill a cup that's moving all the time, everywhere. So, I'm going to lean here on Brett McCracken, his great book, uh, The Wisdom Pyramid. We're going to try to create some room for this, right? And if you're like me, that's easily distracted, like I said, with what I give my attention to, you don't, you don't create intimacy, you, you, create, you make room for intimacy. You've got to make room for it. So how do we make room for it? So first, let's talk about some good online habits. I'm not going to let Facebook disciple us, okay? The co-founder got it. So... We, got, we have to have better online habits, and uh, I don't think we, we know how to do that. So I'm going to, Brett McCracken says this quickly. We're going to go through this. Uh, he says, surf with purpose. He says, the unconscious impulse to hop on our phones and just go somewhere is dangerous. So don't go online without a plan. So spare moments, like at a stoplight or drive through should not be filled with online wandering. Maybe stare at the wall, which that's more useful. Can we normalize boredom again? Isn't that where creativity is born anyway? Yeah, I'm bored. That's why you go online. Uh, be bored. Because sometimes God may surprise you. All right. Uh, avoid social media, he says, in bed. It leads to unplanned scrolling, which means I'm hungry. I'm always hungry, hungry, your heart, for something to catch my eye, and there's always plenty of that. Um, 
Turn off all, almost all your notifications. You don't need them. Um, I don't have the Facebook app on my phone, which means I have to go to a browser on my phone to log in. You know those 30, those 30 extra seconds or whatever <laughs> helps me to think twice. Do I really need to check it again since I just checked it five minutes ago? So get the app off if you, and forces you to get onto the browser and maybe that'll give you a moment to say, uh, what am I giving my attention to? This is worth it. All right, secondly, he says, quality over quantity. All right, so online, support things you value and miss out on everything else. That's why a good community is important. Choose the recommendations of trusted people. Right, that one article that is from an ad versus 10 people that you know are trusted people recommending an article, choose that one. Limit your podcasts. Maybe one Netflix show a month is enough. Maybe the books, the videos, podcasts, all that stuff. Enough, are there enough trustworthy people that are recommended? It? Then, yeah, listen to it, watch it, read it, whatever. But bypass most of it, he says. Trusting that a smaller amount of excel, excellent curated dishes will be better for your wisdom diet than a vast amount of hit or miss haphazard snacks. All right? We start with that, then we have room to hear from the Lord. So now, okay, now we have a little bit more time and attention. He's after my affection. Now, what does it mean to meditate? Well, first, notice he says day and night. Do you see that? On his law, he meditates day and night. So that, he's just saying have regular rhythms of meeting with God by meditating on his word. Day and night means intentional, right? In some disciplined way. Whether you wake up or you go to bed or some other time, attention, right? It's you're giving your attention to. Secondly, uh, aim for quantity over quality, right? Do you see that? For the um, online habits, we said aim for quality over quantity. For our biblical meditation habits, aim for quantity over quality. What? Uh, we often give up because we can't seem to get anything out of it. Read and read and read and read. Um, you don't remember every meal you've eaten. If you did, you'd be really weird. But you knew you grew from it. You grew from it. So you don't give up. You aim at quantity, which means just doing it regularly, and quality will hiccup out of the quantity. Does that make sense? Right? If you're like, I'm gonna have, I need a quality, quiet time every morning. Don't do that. Just have some discipline. Something that you will do regularly, the feelings of delight will follow what feels like duty. So if you're aiming at the feelings, you're never going to get it. But if you're regularly doing it, just all of a sudden, you, God, God will meet you. Uh, the quality will hiccup out of the quantity. Okay, quantity over quality. Lastly, preach to your heart. Preach to your heart. This is how you meditate. Some, there, some must do this. Psalm 42 says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Psalm 103 says, and we sang it earlier, praise the Lord, O my soul. Who's he talking to, O my soul? Himself. Right? And over and over again, he's doing it. Uh, Tim Keller says this, meditation is grabbing your heart by the scruff of the neck in the presence of the Lord, in the presence of his word, looking at your heart, and you're saying, wow, look at this verse. Look at this phrase. Look at this word. Robin, my soul, how should you be if you're that forgiven? 
Why are you living like this if you are that loved? How should, how should I, my soul, how should I behave if I've been bought with such an incredible price? Look, soul. Think, soul. Think it out, soul. See, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're not even praying to God yet. You're listening. You're reflecting. You're communing with your own heart. And you're thinking out the implications until it begins to speak to you and you can answer God with it. Listen, it may take a long time before you can even begin to even sense the things we're talking about here, right? Because how fast do roots grow down into the river? Overnight? Of course not. But quantity time, that will be true of you. And what happens to a person whose attention is given to the Word of God like this? The attention to the Word of God will feel your affection and adoration for the God of the Word. And you become like a tree in Psalm 1. And you start delighting in the Lord. All right. How do I get this power? This sounds great, right? Because, but Robin, you know, I feel chaffy <laughs> right now. I'm chasing all the wrong things, even good things in the wrong amount. How do I know he wants to speak to my heart like that? How do I know that? Does he really, really want to speak to my heart like that? I know that because really there's only one person who lived the perfect hashtag blessed life. He never let the world define him. He meditated on the scriptures all the time. Even when he's dying on the cross, scriptures coming out of his mouth. Jesus Christ was like that fruitful tree by the streams of water. He was his father's delight. But when you watch him on the earth, he's regularly, he's setting his heart on, giving his attention to, and his affection for what? You and me. So much so, loved ones, that you and I, who deserve like chaff, to be blown away, Jesus Christ gets treated like chaff on the cross so we could be rooted this morning. He thirsts on the cross so our thirst in life can be quenched. He, the Bible says, cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. He becomes a curse so we could be blessed. Why go through that, Lord Jesus? Why? Because you are his delight. Oh, my soul. Would you, would you grab your heart and just say, oh, my soul. Would you, would you let that sink in? You were, I was your delight. See, the truly blessed life is living a life loved by God, sensing his delight over you for a long, long period of time. Uh, there's a great children's story. I don't know if you ever read it. Have you ever read The Velveteen Rabbit? The rabbit's a toy. Uh, and he, the rabbit learns from the skin horse that he can become a real rabbit. And he talks to the, the rabbit's talking to the horse. This is what he says. What is real? Asked the rabbit. Does it mean having things that buzz inside you and stick out and a stick out handle? The skin horse says, the real isn't how you're made. It's a thing that happens to you. When a child loves you for a long, long time, not just to play with, but really loves you, you become real. 
It doesn't happen all the, at once, says the skin horse. You become. You become. It takes a long time. She says, generally, by the time you're real, most of your hair has been loved off. Your eyes drop out. You get loose in the joints and very shabby. But those things don't matter at all. Because once you are real, you can't be ugly. Except to people who don't understand. Again, great theology there. We get our identity from what? Being loved a long time. Even as our eyes drop out and our hair falls out. This is the love that defines us, that makes us real. That's the blessed life. That's all it is. That's all it is. Jesus invites you to that. So we're going to sing a song. If you've been living this chaff-like, been giving your attention to the wrong things and you just want to say, Lord, I, I just want to make room for intimacy. You can come to the altar. We'll pray, pray with you. Just say, I want to make room now for you. I want to be this tree. I don't want to be swayed by circumstances. I want to grow even in winter times. I don't want to be blown around. Lord, here I am. Thank you for your delight over me. And because of your delight for me, I want to find my delight in you. And that's where you go. You, you bring the gospel into your heart and you respond to the gospel on Jesus Christ who invites you to himself. Well, that about wraps it up for today. We pray that today's message encouraged you. And if you would like more information or just to contact us, go to our website at newriverchurch.org.